0: Good morning, Mercy Road. So good to be back with you guys. I'm Pastor Darren. Great to be back in the house. And uh, did you guys get your? Uh, anybody get your? Did you get your triclops uh, action? You know, card this morning, right? And I don't know if I, I said if you're. It, I said 40 years old, and then I was corrected by somebody who was 35. Are you? If anybody, if you're 35 or older, make a little noise this morning. This morning. All right. All right. So you guys know about He-Man, right? For all of you youngins, you're like, I don't get these cars. They don't make any sense, right? It's because you don't know about He-Man, master of the universe, all right? I have the power. Remember He-Man? He was so great. All right? Make some noise if you wore underroos. as had He-Man. No, I'm just kidding. Don't talk about, I'm not talking about underroos this morning. But... He-Man was awesome, and we were trying to come up with the the, the whole like thought behind this series, and, um, and I, I fought hard because I wanted us to have something that was He-Man related. So if you're younger, you don't get it. It's just a cool action figure thing to kind of find a creative way for us to, to talk about the scriptures. But today, our villain is Triclops, and basically, he tries to get you to be overwhelmed by busyness in your life, to get you to choose the non-essential. And when we choose the non-essential, when we choose busyness, what begins to happen is it begins to steal our joy, our perspective, and our ability to actually become who God's created us to be. And that's the journey we're going to take today. And it's going to be in Luke chapter 10. It's on the back of your card. You can take a look at that. So go to uh, John, uh, Luke chapter 10. That's where we'll be in just a moment. I want to take a quick moment, though, and just talk about how it's how uh, such an amazing time right now to be a part of Mercy Road Church. I'm so stoked about what's happening in our church. Two weeks ago, I got a chance to be a part of the, the first ever you know, launch service down at the downtown campus with what uh, Pastor John Jones is doing on that team. So amazing. We've like launched a church downtown, right? That's amazing. Then we've got just a couple weeks. Last night, I got to be here for the last Saturday night service as we sent and commissioned the whole Northwest campus to get going as soon as they can. Absolutely give it up for Northwest. So much time and effort and prayers and so Amazing. And then last Sunday night was the first dinner over at the new Fortville, Geist, Fishers, whatever it's going to be called, location. And like, I grew up in the church. Okay, I'm a pastor's kid. And growing up, a lot of the small churches that I was a part of, or at least around, like, they would they would go years and years and years, and no one would come to faith in Jesus. No one would be baptized. Like, Churches weren't being planted like people showed up to the same boring dead service week in and week out and year in and year out. And guess what? Do you realize that most churches in America are like less than 100 people? Like if you're new to to church, welcome to Mercy River. So glad you're here. I want you to know that you've come into an odd thing in church culture in America, but an actual really normative thing when you see the kingdom of God begin to spread. But if you're at Mercy Road and you're like, yeah, this is just normal, it's not. This is a unique and amazing opportunity to be a part of what God is doing in our city. And don't miss the opportunity to get involved, whether it's here at the Keystone campus, whether it's at Northwest, maybe it's downtown, maybe it's over in Fishers. Get in the game because this is some really cool kingdom stuff going on. And I just feel so honored to be able to be a part of what God's doing in our church. So stinking cool. So Masters of the margin. We're talking about how do we get and and check the margins and and, and begin to master the margins of our time today. And I tell you what, there's not a lot of margin in my time. I don't know about your guys' time. I sent them a a screenshot of my calendar this past week. And you guys don't have to keep your calendar like this. And and, and, and when we're looking at the margins, like if you could see the color cord, it's a little bit tough to see. but, But I don't have big blocks of time just to open to do whatever. This week, I had four different speaking gigs. Plus, I had to get ready for this, and I spoke yesterday and today. And and I don't really have this figured out, okay? Just a real quick confession. Like, I'm, I'm at the halfway point of 14 days straight with no day off. Right, Not biblical, not wise. I'm not saying do like I do, okay? I'm trying to figure this one out. This was a tough week. And as we're looking at trying to figure out where the margins are, we're talking about really finding little slivers of time. We're not going to get done with this sermon. You're going to figure out, oh, there's where I'm going to spend six hours just on Jesus, okay? It's not going to happen. What we're going to have to do is learn... To make the essential decisions about what we do and who we do it with to actually begin to master the margins of our time remember the margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary the amount available beyond what's necessary and there's quite a bit in your life that's necessary so let's journey together today and see if we, here's what, here's what we need to do. We need to ask God to give us his wisdom and his courage to actually make a choice about what is essential in our life. We'll see where it may lead us. The, the word of God's going to lead us there in Luke chapter 10. And the quote that, 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 that I'm going to build around uh, the scriptures today is actually a quote by Seth Godin. And Seth says this, that busy is a choice, but productive is a skill. Busy is a choice, productive is a skill. Productivity is learned, productivity takes guts. This is going to be a challenge. I'm going to say some things today that I don't want to say to me. And you may find that you don't want me to say them to you. But I have a microphone, so I'm going to say them, all right? Because busyness is a choice. Productivity is a skill. Let's have God guide us in this skill. Let's check out the story from Luke chapter 10. From the message paraphrase, it goes like this. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. And a woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. Father, as we just dive into the word here, I pray that you would illuminate it, that you would open our minds to understand it, give us the wisdom and courage to apply it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of choices made in this story. One was essential, one was not essential, but it was a choice. And I think I just want to uh, calm your nerves. This is not going to be the sermon where I make you feel guilty about how much time you don't spend with Jesus. Okay, this is not the sermon where it's like, look, Mary said at Jesus's feet. how, How much are you spending at Jesus's feet? Okay, that's not the sermon, because here's the thing that I think is difficult about applying. This is we make some big statements that although are theologically true, are tough to apply in regular life. Right. Like we say things like Jesus is all I need. Really? It's a good song. True to get into heaven. Jesus is all you need. Jesus, you're enough. You can get a t-shirt, maybe a coffee mug. Jesus is enough and Jesus is all I need. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I just want you to get your mind around this one. I talked to Jesus. He's okay with the illustration. Okay? you to try this week to wake up tomorrow and just tell yourself Jesus is all I need and then don't breathe eat or drink the rest of the week let me tell you something you're not coming back to church next week you're going to be with Jesus okay and then he will be all you need okay you at least need to breathe eat and drink every single day of your life and I don't know about you but Jesus has never made me dinner or fed me Like, I have to find time every day to eat, usually three times a day. How about you guys? It's necessary. I don't know about you guys, but Jesus has not been going to work for me Monday mornings. Has he been going for you guys? I've had to go to work. Jesus has not been going. He's not all I need at work. I have to go. I, I don't know about you guys. Jesus, for some reason, not paying my mortgage. Okay? I have had to do that every month. If Jesus is paying mortgages, let me know how to get on that list. Because that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You could get done at the end of the month. They're like, sir, we've got a check here from Jesus Christ. I don't know. Um." (laughs) Last time I checked, Jesus wasn't spending one on time with my boys monthly. Jesus was not taking my wife out on dates. That's actually my responsibility. Jesus has never been coached. He's not been coaching my son's football teams. I've been doing that. So the, the struggle, I think, for me and maybe for you is that like we say these things, we sing these things on Sunday, but then Monday morning comes and we're trying to figure out if Jesus is all I need, how do I make everything that's necessary in my life to work and still make Jesus the priority? That, that's where things start to fall apart for me. So hopefully today what we can begin to understand is, is here's Jesus, here is what we need. We desperately need you To guide us in your wisdom to become skilled at living and mastering the margins of our life. Jesus, we need you to lead us in wisdom to choose what is essential. We talked about it in May that wisdom literally means skilled at living. And the great part about this is Jesus actually understands this is difficult. I love when he responds to Martha, right? Martha comes, I've got a bandit in the kitchen. What's the deal? Jesus, oh my gosh, I'm a victim, Jesus, right? And Jesus doesn't yell at Martha doesn't get mad at Martha. I love that Jesus says, Martha, dear Martha. Using her name twice there basically communicates the emotion and the empathy. So if you're here this morning and this week has been like Mach 6 with your hair on fire and busyness is the boss of your life and you think Jesus is upset at you, I want you to know that, that welcome to the presence of God and he's not mad or angry at you. He understands this as a challenge. And he's gonna meet you in this space with compassion. And he will answer your prayer to begin to lead you into wisdom to learn to be skilled at life. Because busyness is a choice. I don't like this idea. I don't like taking responsibility for my own problems. How about you? Wouldn't it be great just to be able to blame a bunch of other people about busyness not being your fault? Here's my problem, though. I have yet to, on a Sunday afternoon, start planning out the whole week. I've yet to have anybody show up on my porch, put a gun to my head and make me say yes to everything. How about you? Has anybody been doing that to your life? Nope. I've been saying yes to all the non-essential things in my life and, and filling it up with crazy busyness. And so have you. Busyness is a choice. And when non-essential busyness gets to be the boss of our life, it will not only erode our patience, but it will begin to distort our perspective. I think it's interesting that right off the bat, when, when Martha gets upset about how busy she is, it's amazing that her perspective begins to change, not from somebody who is powerfully in control of their own life, but she immediately becomes a victim. In the New Living Translation, it says it like this. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? It's unfair. You ever get upset when you're busy about how unfair your life is? Like somebody that just seems to be like, they're peaceful and they're like, they took a shower today, right? And like their kids behave and like they've got a good job and like whatever stuff, they just seem like they've got it all together and your life just seems like, rah! Right? And you come up with, it's just unfair. I mean, if, I, if my parents were their parents, I mean, you know, well, if I drove that car to work, I bet I would be happy. Right? Whatever it is, is somehow you're, you're a victim of busyness, and it's unfair. And then you start realizing, man, they got the same 24 hours a day that I have, don't they? So something's, something's happening between the productivity that I see and admire in their life In the crazy busyness that I'm choosing in my own. You see, you're not a victim. You're actually in control of your life. You're very powerful. You can say, no. But man, is it difficult. But when we allow busyness, non-essential busyness, to be the boss of our life, it will distort our perspective. So I guess the question is, why did Martha make this decision? Why did Martha think there was a bunch of stuff she had to do and Mary didn't? What we don't have here in the story is Jesus comes up. He's like, yeah, Martha, I got a big healing down the street here at 730. If we could chip chop, if we get on the stew, get that going real quick here. It's going to be a quick in and out type of meal. Yeah, right. Not here in the story at all. We don't get that part. Jesus shows up. She makes him feel welcome. And he begins teaching. And Mary sits down and goes, this is amazing. We're going to learn from Jesus. But there must have been some kind of voice inside Martha's head that said something like this. And maybe it's in your brain, too. Martha, if you're really going to be worthy of Jesus's attention, you better start working. Working. See, I wonder if Martha believed the lie that I believe often, that I am what I accomplish. It's, it's why I keep saying yes to too much stuff. Because when I have margin and when I'm not crazy busy, I don't feel As worthy or like I have enough worth or that I'm special enough in life because right really busy crazy driven people they're really important right like we do this when we talk don't we hey how is your week how's the kids what's going on Ah, crazy busy crazy busy just crazy busy right and we high-five each other me too I never sleep it's crazy oh so productive right Imagine if you walk up to somebody this week and be, hey, how you doing? They go, oh, rested. You know, peace, it flows like a river. Uh, yeah, good, good. You'd be like, are, are you on medication? You'd walk away and be like, well, they were really a mover and shaker, they Be as stressed out as I am. Why is it that crazy busy feels like some kind of badge of honor? I think it's because we've never taken the time to figure out what's essential for our life. And so, busyness is our boss, and we're for hurried and crazy, we feel good about it for some reason. And I think it's because we believe the lie that I am what I accomplish. That's bad news. That's bad news from the devil, just so we're clear. He says, you are what you accomplish, and so every day you wake up, you have something to prove. Jesus says, no, you you are completely accepted and loved and approved of. You don't have anything to prove to me, son. Daughter, you don't have to prove yourself to me today. You're loved. And I want to guide you in wisdom to make decisions based on what's essential for your life. I was doing some spiritual DNA coaching recently with a friend. And um, they just can't stop. Driven. One of their strengths is they're an achiever. Driven to get stuff done. And they, and, and, and they said, you know, I, I, I just wish I could take a nap some days. But every time I, I think about it, I just feel like I'm so lazy. Like it's such a waste of time. So we were talking. I said, here's what I'd love you to do. I said, I believe you're believing a lie. The devil's telling you that you are what you can accomplish and that you have something to prove. I said, if you were to shut your eyes right now and just um, pretend like you're actually looking at Jesus face to face because he is alive and his Holy Spirit lives within you. So if you were to ask Jesus, just face to face, Jesus, what is it that you want me to know about this lie I'm believing? And they got quiet for a minute. And they said, I think Jesus is saying it's okay to take a rest. I said, what else is he saying? And they said, he says he's proud of me. Then they began to cry and I said, what else? He said, I feel like he's saying you have nothing to prove to me. You see, Busyness is a choice and we've got to get curious about why we're making it. One of the things I'd like you to to, to try to do here in the next season of life as you find some margin is to begin asking yourself compassionately curious questions about the decisions you make. See, we don't do a lot of compassionate curiosity to ourselves because you know who's the meanest person in the world to you? You are. When you were late to church this morning, your kids were freaking out in the back and you whatever, whatever. The internal conversation you were having to yourself about why you're late again for the sixth time this week to the thing you had to do. You were so mean to yourself in the way here or so mean to yourself this week. You would never treat your best friend the way you treat yourself when you make poor decisions. So what if we were to say, OK, God, what does the word of God say? The word of God says to so love God with my heart, soul, mind and strength and to love my neighbor as I love my So what would it look like to begin to extend the the grace and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus and find some margin this week and ask Jesus questions like this. Jesus, why am I choosing busyness? And maybe get a journal and and write what you sense the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Here's another question you can ask him: Hey, Jesus, what am I running from? Hey, Jesus, what am I afraid of? hey, Jesus, what do you want me to know about my busyness, about who I am, about who I am because of who I am in you? See what God begins to do as he guides and directs and loves you out of your busyness and into choosing the essential. Because, see, there's two choices here, right? Mary also made a choice, and Jesus says it like this. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it it's the main course and it won't be taken from her here's the question what is essential for your life what's essential defined it means this essential is absolutely necessary extremely important fundamental or central to the nature of something or someone you see by nature you are a human being not a human doing and so, what we need to do is, is ask God to li- guide us in wisdom and courage to say, What is essential for my life? Meaning, what is absolutely necessary, extremely important, fundamental, or central to my nature? And if it's not essential, we need to have the courage to go, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not saying yes to that anymore. So, here's the two questions as we keep going here What is essential to your life, and who is essential? In your life what's essential is going to work every day essential I'm gonna go with probably if you want your life to function okay so we can put that in our calendar I have to go to work here's where I go to work now I know where some margins are I know when I have to go to work I know when I come home now I got margins is is physical fitness and taking care of your body that God has entrusted to you is that essential If if the answer for you is yes, then where does that fit? Is it essential that you pay to belong to a gym and drive there? Maybe not. You might be able to work out at home. Save yourself 15, 20, 30 minutes a day. You just found margin. Okay? Is spending time with Jesus essential? If it is, then you got to figure out where does that fit? How can you get creative with that? Do you drive to work? If you drive to work, maybe it's a 15, 20 minute commute. Have you ever thought about listening to the Bible while you drive to and from work? If you got a 15-minute drive to to, to work, you can listen to the Bible. If you have a a smartphone, download the the Bible app. Pick a a translation that you understand, like the New Living Translation, NIV. Probably stay away from the King James Version. You might wreck your car confused, right? The, thou, though, I don't know what's going on, okay? So something you can understand. You listen to the Bible, 20 minutes to work, 20 minutes home. Check this out. You'll listen to the entire New Testament in like a week. I don't have time to be in the Word of God, man. I'm crazy busy. Like, what if you're like, uh, instead of listening to mindless radio, except for Radio Theology on Sunday mornings, that you must listen to that. After you finish that in an episode of our podcast, which you can get at Radio Theology, uh, then, the just kidding, not really. Okay, so, no. Is Netflix essential? All right, if you're wearing open-toed shoes, I just want you to know about to stomp on some toes, all right? But I'm going to get included. I'm going to jack up my own toes as well, all right? Is Netflix essential? Binge-watching whatever you want? You got to make the decision. Is one-on-one time with your kids? Is it essential? You got to find the margin. What about one-on-one time with your spouse? Essential? How about this? Is eight hours of sleep essential for you? Some of you are like, you better believe it, praise God. If you see me on six hours of sleep, you better watch out. I'm going to murder somebody, okay? But some of you may figure out, I don't need eight. I can get through with six hours of sleep. Guess what you just found? You just found two hours of margin. You realize what you could accomplish with two hours a day that you just get back in your schedule? A ton. A ton. Um, are three sports at the same time for all of your children year-round essential? You say, you better shut your mouth there. I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey if you start talking about youth sports right now, All right, Youth sports, right? It's the, it's the golden calf of our day and age. Let's just all bow down, worship it. Listen, I got three boys, 15, nine. We're youth sports, we're travel sports, whole nine yards, I get it. But let me tell you, it's not essential the way we approach it. I didn't know this when my 15 year old was seven. I thought it was really essential. Now that my 15-year-old is 15 and my 9-year-old is 9, I've got a little perspective. And if you're in that journey or you're watching online, I want to give a gift to you, okay? It's a phrase, it's a sentence that you need to memorize and say all the time around youth sports. It's this, this doesn't really matter. Or you could say it like this, this doesn't matter that much, okay? So, like, if your kid just made the D-team, and you're thinking it's essential that you get your uh, 8-year-old like basketball dribbling lessons three times a week because he's 8 so that next year he can make the A-team, that's not essential. It doesn't matter that much. Those of us that have youth sports stuff, is it essential that your 8- or 9-year-old take hitting lessons year-round? Let me help you out if it's your first kid. No, it's not essential. It doesn't matter that much. Okay? If you don't have kids in youth sports, you're like, would you move on and talk about something else that applies? Yes, I will. I'm just trying to do a favor to all of us crazy people that are in youth sports. I'm so proud of my oldest son because he just had the opportunity to try out for the the high school uh, basketball team, which as a totally biased dad, he would have made. And you know what I really wanted him to do? I wanted him to try out for basketball. You want to know why? Because as a dad, I wanted to feel the social pride of saying, yeah, my son, is a, he's a three-sport athlete at HSC. Just because. Just <laughs> you know what my son decided? He decided that basketball was non-essential to his life. Yeah, yeah I was, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. He was like, no, I'm not going to do it because here's my goals. Here's what's essential. So I, I got I to say no to that. We got to be guided by wisdom because busyness is a choice, but productivity is a skill. Okay, here we go. Who is essential? Once you get what, now we got to go to who? Because guess what? Everyone is created equally. I, God, praise Jesus. He loves us all. But let me tell you this. Not everyone is equally essential to your life. And right now you probably have some people that are non-essential time suckers of your life. You say yes to them because you feel guilty or because they've been around since college or whatever it is, but guess what? They are non-essential. They are not fundamental to you becoming who God's created you to be and for you to live in joy and strength and peace. And you've got to start saying, no, I can't hang out. No, we can't come over. It's not essential. I mean, do you have have an essential list of people in your life? These These people get the margins. And if you're outside of that margin, you... I have to say no. It's a tough decision to make. The first essential person is Jesus. Where is Jesus at in the margins? Then we make the list of who else is outside of that, who makes it in. Difficult, wisdom-driven decision. Now, let me step on your toes some more, but let me stomp on my own first. Have you ever taken your iPhone out? I don't know about you Android users, what your phone does, but for... uh, as iPhone people, have you ever gone to the settings and then gone to the Screen Time button, and then maybe hit on Apps, and then it tells you uh, how much of your life you're setting on fire and wasting? Well, let me tell you, I'll tell you about myself. Looking for the margins, trying to figure out how could God be more glorified in my life. How do I live with joy and peace? And guess how long I spent last week daily on Instagram and Facebook combined. I spend an hour and 23 minutes a day on social media. Now, some of that's work related, blah, 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 excuses, excuses. An hour and 23 minutes a day. My schedule that I put up there, if you made me actually schedule the hour and 23-minute block of scrolling mindlessly through social media, I would have punched myself as hard as I could in the face, okay? Do you realize how much of a time-suck waste of life that is? An hour and 20 you add that up through a week, it's like nine hours. Do you know what you can accomplish in nine hours a week? Every goal you want to accomplish, you can accomplish in nine extra hours a week, okay? You want to be a better dad or mom, you can do that in nine hours in a week, okay? You want to be a better husband, brother, sister, Christian, it can be done by by leveraging the margin of nine hours. You want to speak a different language, okay? You can learn it in nine hours a week. Come back next week, you'll be like, oh, como estas? Muy bien, right? I mean, nine hours a week. You guys looking at me like I'm the only one. Like, oh, we'll pray for you, (laughs) Darren. Scrolling by the fact that you're eating steak or you went to Disney or you like this TV show or whatever it is. I'm not saying social media is the devil. What I'm saying is it's killing the margins of my life. Have you ever get to the point where you're scrolling through but you, you give yourself a countdown of scrolls? Maybe just me? Okay. This is how I do it. All right, dude, just you, you gotta go to bed. All right, 10, 10 more thumb flicks. That's all I'm giving you, right? So I'm like 10, nine, eight. Oh, they went to Disney. Oh, look at that. Oh, steak. Oh, I do like that pair of shoes. I will look at that. Oh, did they have a size 10? Uh, what number was I on? I can't remember. We'll go back to 10, right? And here I'm sitting on my couch at 1130, tired, want to go to bed, want to be more productive. But I can't get the energy to get my lazy butt off the couch to actually walk to my bed. And here I am just scrolling through your vacation pictures. Yes, thank you. I'm not saying I'm going to throw away social media. What I'm saying is I got to take some time and say what's essential and what's not. Because as we close, I found this, this, uh, this was digging in some C.S. Lewis stuff this week. And um, begin to realize how much the enemy is actually involved in trying to steal our margins of time. C.S. Lewis in 1942 wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. Screwtape Letters, it's, it's basically a fable where there's a demon named Screwtape. And Screwtape is writing a letter back to his, like, protege, Wormwood. And and Screwtape is training him on how to keep the Christian from connecting with God and living the life that God has created them to live. And when he's talking about mastering the margins of time, this is what he wrote in 1942. Let's see if it applies to us today. Screwtape says, You will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wondering attention. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste his time not only in conversation he enjoys with people he likes, but in conversation with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him like Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and actually arguing political points with people in Facebook comments. You can keep him up late at night. Not roistering, but, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. All the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return. So that at last he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here in hell, right? I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. You will say that these very small sins, that these are very small sins, and doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, The only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. It does not matter how small the sins are provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards or Facebook or Instagram or busyness if it can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Your affectionate uncle, screw tape. This is a challenging one. What we need from Jesus is to guide us into wisdom and into courage to choose what is essential and who is essential and begin to master the margins of our time stand with me Jesus thank you so much for this morning thank you for this whole weekend here at Mercy Road and Jesus we thank you for who you are and that you are a great father you're a great king you're a great mentor teacher and uh, You understand our challenge with um, our time. We're trying to find our worth and our activities, our accomplishments, our busyness. And God, I just pray that you would begin to compassionately and gently invite us to take a curious, to ask you the tough questions like why Do I keep choosing busyness? Why can't I say no? And Lord, I pray that you would guide us to what is true about us because of who we are in you. And that we be able to speak into one another's lives and trust each other to see what is the wisest thing I can do to discover what is essential and who is essential. And then God, I ask that you would give us the courage to make those adjustments. And I pray the result, God, would be that the margins of time, we would see that our relationships with those that we love and those that love us most to be more full of faith, be more full of hope, more full of love, that our lives would be more full of peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, that busyness would not be our boss, but God, you and your heart and that which is essential to becoming who we are born to be would guide, would direct. We love you.